I'm pumped. Tom Panos, <laughs> John McGrath, Troy Malcolm here. Start of a, a new year. How are you going? Good. We're back at News Limited. Back at News I Corp. love doing it here. Yeah. Look, you know, one of the things I like about News Corp, John, is that you walk around the building, there's screens um, everywhere, there's always a buzz, and I know that a lot of people turn around and say, you know what, print is not the same, but I can pretty much tell you that a lot of the headlines that we see around the place set the agenda for the conversation of what people talk about yeah. in small talk every day. It seems to be the conversation that 100%. people talk about. So. 100%. No, I love being in places like this, and it reminds me of what Rupert Murdoch's done and so many great people. So. It's exciting to be here, so you keep coming back. I'm so close to your office, Tom. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you have to come down the lift, so... But we need to pay that back, because Tom comes to our office I know, all the time. I there you go. Um, <laughs> I love this question, because we can actually bring uh, Troy Malcolm into this one, who is also an auctioneer, as well as a talented uh, radio engineer. Um, <laughs> Plus other things, we won't. We've only got ten minutes on this podcast, so we'll go into it. There's a lot that he does, but John, this question's come. I recently completed the novice auctioneers competition and did very well, especially as it was the first time I've ever called an auction. Auctioneering is something I'd like to pursue, but also mm. see my main career in real estate as an agent. How do you balance both? It's funny, I had a Barry Plant guy talk to me about this the last week as well. He says, I love auctions, but I can't make a great living out of auctions, I'll, you know? Isn't so, he a legend, Barry Plant? Amazing. He's one of the great icons, and I don't say that meaning Barry's either retired nor is he old, but he has been one of the great legends of Australian real estate. And he's, I know he's a friend of both of ours, but he, he has a great business. He's built a great business with Vic and John, the, the team there. Four years ago... I did a real estate gym in Geelong. I got Barry Plant to come and do it. The night before the gym, I get a phone call from his wife. She said, um, hi, I think her name's Karen. I'm pretty sure it's Karen. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm letting you know that Barry's had a heart attack and um, he won't be able to speak at 9.30 at the real estate gym. So I just wanted to let you know, I'm really sorry for the oh inconvenience. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, only laughing because I know he's okay, because I yeah, saw him recently. Yeah. What was the end of that story? I said, um, I said, please don't worry about us, our real estate gym, <laughs> Geelong, don't worry a thing. I said, is he all right? She goes, I hope he'll be okay. The long and short of it was oh that God. he was in hospital for um, some time. He's recovered. John, he lives um, on the okay. Yeah, he looks great. He looks um, fantastic. He's still heavily involved in, um, in the group. He yep. loves real estate. He's yep. passionate about it. I love his energy. You know, when you meet Barry, you know, he leaves an impression. Yeah. He's got great energy. Um, he's, he's a fierce competitor. He's ambitious, even though he's been like myself been in, the, in the game for a few decades. He's as ambitious as he was day one, and he's a visionary. He always talks about the future. That's no, very exciting. So um, why did we start talking about Barry? We started talking about Barry because one person at the Barry Plan Conference <laughs> raised exactly the same, same question. question as... Well, funnily enough, and we won't say who it was, but this came, I think, from one of our guys in yeah. Sydney. yeah. Which is interesting because in Melbourne, the Melbourne guys would be saying, what the hell is this question about? Because a lot of Melbourne agents are also, well, I'd say most of the good Melbourne agents are also great auctioneers. Yeah. So if you, if you come through the system in Melbourne as an agent, you're expected to be an auctioneer. In Sydney, because franchise companies have been so dominant and franchisees, so franchisors generally do auctions in rooms with one auctioneer covering a 
whole multitude of regions. Um, so in Sydney, there's not many auctioneers, and other than ourselves, there's not too many companies that do them on site. Yeah. So I can see why a Sydney agent would think it's, it's difficult. So my, my first answer would be, I think a great agent should be able to do both. And I think even if you don't intend to be a regular auctioneer, you should learn the art of auctioneering. Yeah. It's a great skill. It improves your personal confidence. I remember, Tom, I did my first auctioneering course at the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales at the Masonic Centre, corner of Castlereagh and uh, Goulburn Street. And a couple of Melbourne uh, auctioneers came up because uh, they're the best in the world, I think, or New Zealanders now probably are, but Melbourne and New Zealand auctioneers have been traditionally the best in the world. And they came up and they gave us this incredible course. And the first day they said, OK, I'm going to get you to do an auction, even though none of us had ever done an auction. They put a video up and we were all terrible. And they said, well, we'll play it in two days' time and we'll get yeah. you to do another auction and compare. The best activity they did was on day two, they got us to go outside in the middle of Pitt Street, or sorry, on the sidewalk in Pitt Street, uh, outside a bus stop, and we had to auction into the traffic at midday. Wow. So a couple of things. Number one is, little thing, but it, you had to learn how to start projecting your voice because the noise and the clutter and the fumes and the lights and the horns. So that was one. Number two was you had to build confidence because people were looking and saying, what the hell is that guy doing with that group of people huddled around him? You know, is he a spruker? Is he a salesman? Is, is he a religious zealot of some description? But we were auctioning. Yeah. And so I remember that, and that gave me enormous confidence because I am a shy person. And, and if someone said to me, go out and pitch street and auction, and if I wasn't forced to do it, I'd never do it. Yeah. But I was forced to do it that day. It was more painful to say no than to actually go and do it. And I could, I could feel my, my um, confidence um, coming up. So I think being an auctioneer is a great skill that every, every good agent should um, learn, if not master. Two is, I think you can do both. And Melbourne agents for years, and Timmy Derham, Christopher Corrin, um, Greg Hocking, they were some of the people that I, when I started auctioneering in my early days, I studied them. I, I, uh, I didn't video them because I don't think there was many videotapes around in those days, Troy, but I, I uh, audio taped, you know, yeah. like a little um, dictaphone. dictaphone, exactly. And I, I went around from auction to auction and then I practiced and practiced. So I think y you can do it. You've got to find some good mentors. Troy, can I ask you, when did you start auctioning? Um, I have called for probably the last four years with McGraw now. But then right. I had a two-year apprenticeship with Scott Kennedy Green, our chief auctioneer. Yeah. And that was in the car every weekend for two years, driving Scott around, watching... I was using my iPhone to record him and then asking as many questions as I could about why he said the things he did at the times he did and then also what was his number sequence and how did that repeat and how did that differentiate. But then, uh, and to both of you, you, with technology, with YouTube, with the amount of people videotaping auctions, there's so many scripts, dialogues, techniques no excuse. that you can learn without actually being with an auctioneer. No days. excuse. I mean, if you want to become an auctioneer, you can do it, and three months later you'll be proficient, six months later you'll be damn good, and within 12 months you can be a master yeah. if you're prepared to put the hard yards in. Um, so that was uh, in interesting. A little tip for me for, for the auctioneers, because there will be some listening. Um, my little thing that's always worked well for me, Troy, and I've shared this with you, as an auctioneer... And Tom, you're a great auctioneer. As an auctioneer, for me, the auction starts when the underbidder is finished. So when the under, because you always see in an auction, and I say to people, look, any monkey could, you know, bid, bid, yeah. bid, 
banter, 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 and then you know, gets to 750, 760, 770, it's on the market. It's when the underbidder says, no way, I'm done. They yeah. wave their hands and they're kind of almost about to turn and go. For me, mentally, bang, I say, great, the auction's now started. Because I know it's my job now to extract the last two, three or six bids from the people, the underbidder, someone, to get them out because that's what I'm paid for as an auctioneer. Whether I'm paid $100 or 2% doesn't matter, that's what I'm paid for. So I think as auctioneers out there, that's, that's the key thing, is when everyone says they're finished, it's how do you extract another two, three, four bids, which in today's dollars can be 20 or 50,000. That's the key. But I, I think it's, it's a great thing. I, I would say to the author of this question, um, definitely do it. Um, don't just do it so you're able to do an auction. Do it so you're one of the best auctioneers in the land, if not the world. And you can, John, um, and whether you're going to be um, auctioning um, like Troy does, um, like doing eight or nine every Saturday, or whether you're just going to have the ability to sit at a listing presentation and say to an owner, by the way, I'm an auctioneer, but I choose to have my auctions done by someone else, yeah. which gives me the ability to have good, crucial conversations with buyers at critical times and spend the during time the with them right. during the auction. Um, you're actually showing to them that um, you've got the authority of the auctioneer, but you believe that you're going to be more valuable to them as a salesperson on that day. It's a good point, Tom, because a lot of agents say to me they do their own auctions or they want to do their own auctions. So that is auction their own property listings. Yeah. I never used to, even though I auctioned everyone else in the companies, I always got someone else to do mine. Or When I say always, pretty much always, unless I had to do my own. For exactly the same reason. I mean... Auction day is like laser focus, 100 metre sprint. You've got to get that over the line. There's no room for error. And if I'm trying to think of doing the auction and which bid is doing what and what's the vendor's body language and, and should we be talking to the vendor about getting it on the market, all those things is too much to deal with. So I think it's, it's, it's great to learn the discipline. It's fun to do. I mean, Troy, you're loving it. I know that. Yeah. Tom, you love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is street theatre, isn't it, really? Mm -hmm. And you know, we're probably all frustrated actors or something like that. There must be something. But... You know, it, it, it's such a buzz. And by the way, females listening, there's not enough female auctioneers. Mm. What a great opportunity. Mm. <clears throat> In fact, Troy, I think we've just hired one and, and yeah. I haven't met her yet, but I'm looking forward to watching her do her first auction with us. But female auctioneers out there, Dorothy Rosewell taught me, and Tom, you probably wouldn't even remember Dorothy. Mm. Um, she was an auctioneer? Or? She was an auctioneer in the 1960s in Paddington, Sydney. She used to auction in a miniskirt. Dorothy today, and she won't mind me saying this because she's a legend of real estate, she would be uh, certainly 70-something. Yeah. And in the 1960s, she was an auctioneer and she used to have a gavel and she used to auction in a miniskirt. This was in the psychedelic days, right? You know, you remember the sort of Austin Powers type? That was the, yeah. that was the environment. And this is when no one in Sydney knew auction. Because you remember, Tom, in, you know, go back 25 years, auction in Sydney was sort of kind of a newish thing. In yeah. Melbourne, it's been going a lot longer. She was back when no one had heard of auction, and no one even contemplated on-site auction, and she yeah. would turn up on a Saturday morning. And when I say, just say miniskirt, because I've seen photos of her, and she looked gorgeous, and that was kind of the thing. These people yeah. used to wear boots and miniskirts in those days, yeah. a lot of the women in, in, in business and not in business. And she used to turn up with a gavel, and, she used to, and I thought, wow. So um, she kind of got me into this thinking about auction. And then I, then, then I went to the auction course and then I went to Melbourne and studied Timmy and, and the gang down there who are all amazing auctioneers. And I still owe so much today to you know, Chris Coran and, and Timmy Derham and Greg Hocking because I, I observed them 
and they excited me mm. as auctioneers because they weren't just proficient, they had personality mm. and, it, and it was like street theatre. So, uh, yeah, I, I love doing... God, I'm, I'm excited. Well, I need to do more auctions. So, need to do I need auctions. to get, get out to get more often and do more auctions. Well, he, he, he did do one very yeah. recently. He did, a, did one about you, 200 you're... metres from my house and <laughs> everyone in Haverpill's been very happy with what, what the result you got. Did he handpick that one? Drew? Yes, yes. He did, okay. <laughs> it was the first one I'd done in a decade. <laughs> and and, and uh, Scotty or Josh said to me, oh, we got 40 registered bidders for this one. I said, great, book me in. Book me in. <laughs> so I've had 100% success regularly. And while John was doing that and the crowd was waving, Troy Malcolm was out there fighting on his own with one vendor and one buyer. That's right, that's right. Uh, Johnny, as we finish off this podcast, uh, I want to spend a bit of time um, focusing on the fact that payroll departments are sending out people's group certificates as we end speak. End of financial year. End yeah. of financial year. Um, I, had, I had someone say to me once, Tom, the most important and the honest documents there are is the group certificate and the set of scales. They don't lie. They tell you the truth. They give you well, an... scales ex- lie sometimes. The I'm, scales sure, I'm sure they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it reminds me of one, of one of the girls at my gym. I said to her, do you weigh yourself all the time? She says, no, only when I think I've lost weight. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, I, I often say a similar thing. Numbers don't lie. And your group certificate is a, is a report card, and you can have every excuse in the book about what happened, what this happened, what happened that. But that's the real hard facts. So I think it's for some people it'll be exhilarating to see, wow, I've had a tremendous year, record breaking. Other people will be depressing. Uh, they haven't done so well. They haven't achieved what they expected. The only advice I would give is own your numbers. They are mm. the right numbers. They're not the wrong numbers, but you can change them for next year if you start now. But you've got to be prepared to change. The numbers are fair, aren't they? It's Water finds its own level, Tom. And you, you, know, you can have a bit of bad luck and maybe a slightly bad month that you could have done better, but you don't have a bad year when you should have had a great year. You, know, you, you have not been prospecting. Your listing presentation isn't up to scratch. You haven't got... I mean, Phil Harris, you and I know mm. Phil and Sarah and the team down there at, at Harris Real Estate, which is one of the great real estate companies in Australia. Young mm. and great. I saw Sarah and Phil up at, uh, at Arik recently. Anyway, um, and uh, Phil gave a speech to our guys a few years ago, and I know he's done some stuff for mm. you, Tom, with News Limited and the real estate gyms. And he said something really succinctly, and, and I'll paraphrase it, and I'm sorry, Phil, because it won't be perfect, but he said, you know, there's only three things you need. You need an hour of dynamic prospecting a day, connecting with people and following up people. You need a nine out of ten listing presentation that wins business three out of four times. And you need a dynamic sales and marketing plan that gets properties your listing sold in 28 days. If you have those three things, you've got a very successful and fun career ahead of you. And he's right. You know, if you put in the, the effort, and we've spoken many times on these podcasts about successful people that we observe that haven't got as much natural talent as one might think. You know, you look at some of their, their uh, group certificates, you think this guy must be or girl must be a superstar. You meet them, you think, wow, they weren't so much what I thought they might be like. Mm but they're disciplined and they, they stay the course and really, really good. So um, I, I think Phil was very, very right in what he said. Well, I know he's right. He's incredibly I think, successful. John, as you're saying that, I think of Tim Ferriss, day one at Eric. He said something which a lot of people have repeated over and over again, and that was, what would you have to do 
in the next 30 days if you only had 30 days to get your one-year goal. Yeah. Because it helps you focus yeah. on the activities that really matter that are going to actually get you to that result. So I think this is a good time to spend July. What do I have to do in July, laser focus, that's going to help me June 30, 2016, get that goal? Because if you, I mean, you know, Tom, if you start the year well, and uh, this is a trigger point, a reset point in your financial year, 1st of January is another reset point. If you start the 1st of July well, and you have a great 60 days. July, August are great months because you've got your listings and you work hard. You're probably going to have a dynamic year because mm-hmm. the momentum flows because you've had six successful auctions and six sold signs and lots of underbidders and lots of raving fans. That's going to give you a great August, September, yeah. get you into a good spring. You'll finish the year strong. If you finish the year strong, you'll start the year strong. Whereas the opposite, if your first quarter is, is lackadaisical and, and below par, you're going to battle to make your numbers at the end of the year. So I think it's a really good time. I'm glad you brought that message up that this is a critical month. Mm. Irrespective of what number's on your group certificate, you can change next year's group certificate starting today. Go out there and get more and more excited. I'm going to send you a, a little clip. or I'll, I'll send it to you and Judith. I'd love you to put it on your website. Yeah. Someone sent it to me. No, it's, it's like 1920s uh, motivational seminar. You'll love it. It only goes for about five minutes, and this guy talks about the five key things you need as a salesperson. And it's almost comical because it's black and white and he kind of looks a bit funny, he's a bit stern. But it's, it's a serious and it talks about you know, five things that he thinks are really important. And I think, you know, get, get our listeners to go to, uh, what's the best website? Tom Panos. TomPanos.com.au. I'd love to see. Do, do yeah. you want, are some of those things that you're talking about in 1920, are they like relevant now? Oh, 100% relevant. 100% relevant. Uh, and they'll be a bit funny. Eh? He talks about selling the, the sizzle, not the steak sort of thing. And, and we kind of know that. But the way he, he then goes on to talk about it, I found was really inspiring. And a friend of mine sent it to me today. And I just clicked on it, funny enough, before I came here. And I thought, wow, that's really good. You know, 100 years later, which yeah. is nearly 100 years later, um, that is equally as relevant and really interesting. And, and it talks about this stuff that we talk about. The basics haven't changed that much. You know, technology's changed a bit. <laughs> Approaches change a bit, you know, urgencies change a bit. But at the end of the day, it's about process, it's about focus, it's about energy, it's about engaging and exciting people. So I'll send it to, to Yeah, to send Judith it to me, John, and, and, and I'll and have it Everyone on. go and have a look at it on the website before. And, and any questions, keep sending those keep questions. Keep sending in. the questions them. in. And John and Troy, a big shout-out to our UK listeners. They ask consistently to... Um, mention them. Uh, I think. Uh, Which company are they from? Do we know uh, what companies? Mo- uh, well, I know that the particular gentleman that loves the show, that plays it to his whole team, is his surname's Morris. So I want a big shout out to those guys in the yeah. UK. Uh, we love the fact that you listen to the show. There's a lot of listeners in New Zealand, Auckland, Wellington. So big shout out to you all. G'day to everybody, and we look forward to uh, speaking to you next week. And. Um, Yeah, more Q&A, more stuff, and keep doing the great stuff, and we'll see you then. See you then, gang. See you guys.